Praise God. Let's give the Lord praise today. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take your Bibles with me and let's go to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel, the first chapter. 1 Samuel, the first chapter. Derek, I'm going to throw you a curveball. I'm going to back up three verses. I want, to, I want you to start. Let's start in verse 5. Verse 5. This is a story of Hannah, Penina, and Elkanah. Elkanah was an Ephraimite, part of that tribe of, the, of, of Israel. And here we see that Hannah was barren. And we're going to take up the story in, in verse 5. As we look here, as we begin to see what transpires. Now, as we prepare for this, this is what I want to, I want you to get. So we started this last week, Mother's Day weekend. I, I, want you to, I want you to hear and I want you to receive this. As we call this, this series, The Birthplace of Promise. The Birthplace of Promise. And where that came from is Galatians, the fourth chapter. As the Lord, as Paul is quoting Isaiah 54, he said, O barren womb, O barren womb. So you want to know where the birthplace of promise comes. It comes from that barren place. What does it mean to be barren? It means there's just nothing there. Paul used the analogy of Sarah and Hagar. And Sarah, her systems didn't work. Abraham's system didn't work. You know what I'm saying? Well beyond age, it was, they were broke down. It didn't function as it should. And so as a result of that, they gave way to the pressure. He said, well, Lord, if it's not going to happen, I'm going to go somewhere else. How often does that happen? If it doesn't work in the timing that I have set, set aside, then I'm, I'm going to do something else. But see, the Lord wanted to impart something supernatural. Something beyond our ability. Something that would give us the understanding that what we have is not a result of something we did, but a supernatural occurrence. Yeah. I need, as ushers, I need some help down here. <laughs> so the birthplace of promise is this. It's the barrenness that you're in right now. You tried as hard as you might, and you still have come up with a goose egg zero as a result. You, you've reached a point, and it's just, not, it's just not working anymore. You're exhausted. You don't have any more strength. You don't have any more energy. You feel abandoned. You feel forsaken. You're at a place, and you're just saying, God, what is going on? I want to say to you, you are at the perfect place for the promise to come forth. Because it's not going to be you that gets the credit. It's going to be the Lord. So last time we talked about Sarah and Abraham. Today I want to talk to you about, an, about a Hannah. Look, look, let's look here in 1 Samuel. Father, we come before you and ask God for your enabling power. Let the strength and the might, the anointing, break through our hearts. Let every yoke be crushed. Let the glory of the Lord be revealed in us and through us. Now, verse 5 here, they go up to the, and they worship in the time of worship each year. 
And now they're here, and Hannah is weeping. I want us to look here in verse 5. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable. Your adversary, your rival ever provoked you to become miserable? Because the Lord had closed her womb. Oh, you keep believing God, but God's not answering. You keep saying God's true, but I don't see any truth. You say God is prosperous, but I don't see any prosperity in your life. You said God called you, but I don't see any evidence it's, uh, that's transpiring. I, 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 come on now. So it was year by year, not just a little time. Year by year. <laughs> when she went up to the house of the Lord, that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? He don't understand, does he? I'm not looking for favor, I'm looking for fulfillment. I'm not looking for favor, I'm looking for fulfillment. I, I've called for a purpose. I'm, I'm called to be a mother in Israel. I'm called to have an offspring. I'm called to be a, I'm called to, to hold that child and to lead that child. I, I'm called to something different. And it doesn't matter how much you put in my portion. It doesn't matter how full my storehouse is. I, it doesn't matter how much favor you're going to put upon me. And though you may be better than me than all ten of your sons, I, let me tell you, I'm looking for something else. I, I'm looking for a promise from God and I can't satisfy I cannot be satisfied I can't settle so Hannah arose after that after she had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh and Eli the priest was sitting in the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of God verse 10 and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, oh, now we're starting to tap into something here. If you will indeed look upon the affliction of, my, of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give me, your maidservant, a male child, then I will give him to you all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And as it happened, she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth and now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but how many know there was something in the very motion of her lips that something in her heart was so loud in heaven the Lord heard her. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. And Hannah said, no, no, my Lord, I am a woman sorrowful of spirit and have drunk nothing, neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken unto you now. Then Eli said, go in peace. God of Israel has granted your petition, which you have asked. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went 
and she, her way and ate, and she and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning, worship before the Lord returned to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have answered, ask from him from the Lord. Oh, amen. I want you to look here because I believe as even as Paul Gave the, gave the prophecy as he is, is declaring in Isaiah 54, as he tells us, O barren womb, sing, O barren womb, and do not, you who do not bear a child, break forth in singing, cry aloud, you will travail with child for more of the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let me say to you, God has in store and in mind for his church to reach beyond a single nation to all nations. Amen? Now, as we look at the barren womb, what we begin to see is there's a timing issue that takes place. There is a timing issue that takes place. And in this timing issue, it is this. She is there year by year, year by year, going to the place where they would worship in Shiloh. And in Shiloh, as they're worshiping, Year after year after year, she's there and her heart becomes so overwhelmed with grief that she is asking of the Lord for the promise. And it was in her desperation, her desperation opened the door of her destiny. She got to the place where she found the end of herself. You know what the reason many ministries are not prospering today is because those ministries haven't got to the end of themselves amen let me say that again see what God wants to do is get you to the very end of your resources your reasoning skills your abilities so that he can bless you with promise so he can bless you with the promise that he has in store for you. But see, as long as we can hold on to it, as long as we can manage it, as long as we are satisfied with status quo, we're, we're going to be ever so content just to continue in the same method that we have gone through. But we have found in the last two or three years uh, that, look, uh, things can't go on as they did before. There's a new day that we are walking into. And this new day is going to require us to get to the end of ourselves so that we can get to the beginning of God. So that we can trust in something supernatural because God has purpose that his church be a supernatural church. So as we look here, her desperation got to the point where it opened the door of her destiny. Oh, is the church not desperate enough yet? that we can get to opening the door of destiny. To say, oh, my God, shake it, Lord God, till there's nothing left to shake, and the only thing that remains is you. Amen? Oh, God, get me to the very end of myself so that when I step out of that boat, I won't sink because my eyes are not on the troubles. My eyes are upon you. Amen? 
Oh, Lord God, get me to the place, Lord God, where I refuse to bow the knee to all the things going on around me. And Lord God, if it means the lion's den or the furnace, I'm just going to keep trusting in you because you are trustworthy. So, rabbinical teaching says this. says that if a couple gets married and there is no offspring, after 10 years, the husband is to take another wife. So, the theologians believe that Hannah is the elder favored wife. And for 10 years, nothing happened. And now, he marries Panana. And you know what? Panana knows that she's not the favored. She, she's not the one who has the favor of the Lord. She's not the one who is going to bring forth the promise. It's funny, though, as we saw last week, yes, what's going on? Let's stop right now. I want you to stand to your feet, if you will. I want you to lift your hands to heaven. In fact, some of you that feel compelled right now, I want you to go out there in the foyer. There's plenty of people. Let's pray in agreement right now. Lupita has Lupita, who's been battling stage four cancer. She, she needs a touch in her body. Come on, let's touch heaven. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you. And Lord, we just... Pray, Father God, today, Lord, that you would extend your hand of mercy upon her. Father, we rebuke cancer off of her body in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, we profess life over her to be infused right now. That, Lord, she would receive the peace and the rest and the healing virtue of your hand. Lord, we believe it right now. Lord, just begin to overwhelm her with strength. Overwhelm her with might. Overwhelm her with the power of the Lord. Comfort her, Lord God, in this moment. Lord, in Jesus' Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And God, we thank you for healing. We thank you for healing right now. Thank you, Lord God, that cancer is not greater than the blood of sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Cancer, you are defeated in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, release, Father healing upon her body. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. Last week we discovered that Ishmael mocked Isaac. That Ishmael mocked Isaac. Now we got Penina here, and she's mocking Hannah. In the rabbinical writings, they would say that she would just do little snide remarks. Nothing that was quite obvious, but even to the point where you get to the place where she would come along and she would ask her, you going to wash your babies today? You going to take care of your children today? Anything to just provoke. Anybody ever had an adversary? <laughs> a rival? They knew just how to get under your skin? 
They knew just how to provoke you. They knew just how to, how to trouble you. And here is, here is Penina. And she's doing this. But it brought forth something out of Hannah. She brought forth something out of Hannah that maybe the enemy was not expecting. See, because as long as Penina was in the house, she was not going to have the favor. In fact, I would say it this way. As long as Hannah was in the house, Penina was not going to have the favor. Penina was after the favor she would never receive. But here is Hannah, and she prays this prayer. Lord, if you will give me this promise, I will give this promise back to you. If you will give me what I'm asking for, I won't keep it to myself. I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to surrender it to you. Andrea leaned over to me and she said, you know what Laodicea means? It means surrender. You know what the Lord wants to do? He wants to bless the church that will surrender to his will. If you'll just surrender to his will, I believe Folks, that it is the Lord's desire, his utmost desire to pour his spirit not only to you but through you. That God's desire, see, it's not about me and making me feel better. See, she was looking for a progeny. God was looking for a prophet. She was looking for an offspring, but God was looking for an outpouring. She was looking for a fix for her situation. But God was looking for a fix for a nation. Come on now. Promise has purpose. You cannot read in the Word of God that you don't find a barren womb that produces a child. And that child in those barren wombs in the Word of God come forth as a son. And that promised child has a purpose. I believe, folks, as we continue in the things of God, as we continue to march forward and to believe God, the Lord spoke to me. I was not anticipating. It was one of those moments where I was meditating on the Scripture. My mind had drifted off. I'm just driving along, and all of a sudden, the Lord spoke out of this passage, and he said this. He said, I am changing the atmosphere. If you are not looking for that, that's not going to mean a lot to you. But let me tell you that God brought forth a Samuel because God is changing an atmosphere. He's changing the surrounding. He's changing what's going on in the world. Oh, the enemy has had his day. He's made his show. But I'm saying to you, God has the final say. The Lord knows what he's doing. And he's just looking for those that will continue on that timeline of chronological order. Year after year, some of you have been on this trail. Year after year, day after day, night in, night out, you're marching and you're just saying, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to hold on to the promise. I'm going to hold on to the promise because I believe in the one day soon I'm going to cross over in that moment of time. Moment of time. In the chronological steps that I have been on 
from the birth inside of me in the kingdom of God. The Lord implanted something in my spirit. He said, son, I brought you into the kingdom for revival, for an awakening of a generation and the nations. Been times I wanted to lay that down, but God said, No, we're going to get back up. Sometimes I wanted to put the torch down, but the Lord said, No, I want you to pick it back up. But Lord, I look like a freak to the rest of the world. He said, I don't care what it looks like. Don't say you're a freak. But Lord, you see how the you, you see how the things are transpiring, Lord God, and, and how the, the church is trended away, how they've gone that way, but I just can't do it. I got tennis shoes. I got an early Father's Day present. I'm so thankful that styles have finally caught up with comfort. Amen. See, churches got to get to the place where we understand it's not just about me. It's not just about me. It's about him. It's about those we're ministered to. I, I believe the Lord wants you blessed beyond any measure that you can imagine. But see, there's a blessing that the Lord wants to put on this last day church. He wants to instill a promise in you. But see, that promise needs to have a understand that that promise comes with the purpose. And it's in that purpose that we discover. See, whenever she said this, she said, Lord, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you, and no razor shall come upon his head. Was she trying to make a fashion statement in that day? No, what she was declaring is that I'm not only going to give a purpose, but Lord God, I am going to be responsible for that purpose. When there was no razor come upon a head, she said, I'm going to declare that he is a Nazarite and from birth, would you give me this promise? I am going to surrender him to you. And everybody that sees him, when they see his long hair, they will know that he is a Nazarite surrendered to the purpose of God. Now, what's included in the Nazarite vow is they would never touch, their hair was never cut, and they were not to, to eat, drink any intoxicating drink. In fact, to avoid all intoxication, they weren't even to partake of anything that came from the vine, not even the skin of a grape, to threaten any fermentation that would cause them to become intoxicated. So they were not only surrendered, they were also sober. They were not only sober, but they also, they were never to touch the dead body. Some of you say, I have no problem with that at all. Which meant... They were to be completely separated from death. Do you understand that God wants to infuse within you such overwhelming, abundant life 
that there is no resemblance of death around you. He wants to so separate his body unto himself so that we are not, we're so separated from that, from that death. And here is Hannah, and she said, Lord, if you will give me this child, I will dedicate myself to the purpose of that promise. And the purpose of that promise is I will take the responsibility before he even knows. And I will ensure that he is separate. I will ensure that he is surrendered. I will ensure that he's sober. As a parent, I'm going to do these things. Let me tell you, there I'm speaking beyond children today. Well, children are the heritage of the Lord. But I'm saying to you, there is promise that is inside of you that God wants to bring out. There is promise inside of you that God wants to, he wants to use, and he has called you into this hour for this time, for this season, for this reason, because he's got a purpose on the inside of you, and he wants that purpose to come out of you, and in that purpose, he is going to be, he needs you to take responsibility of that purpose and ensure that purpose is for him. So as we look here to the word of the Lord, what we begin to see is that God has something bigger than us. He has something that he wants to do within us. Now, Jacob was sharing with his mother and I a sermon that he's preparing to preach. And he said something I thought that was so extremely profound that she and I both just kind of took a step back. And he said this. He said, many times people put more hope in expectations than they do in the Lord. That they put more hope in expectations than they do in the Lord. So when expectations are not met, then all of a sudden your hope is dashed. Your faith is gone. If I don't get the result, then God must be against me. And not for me. Hannah prayed year after year after year after year. But then she came to the place, it's like, Lord, I'm just going to trust you. Let me tell you, folks, we're not going to figure this thing out, not into its fullness. We're just going to walk uh, because every time I make the journey, every time I get a little closer to where I think God uh, thinks, I, 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 where I think the Lord wants me to be, it never looks quite like I expected it when I get there. You know, I, I was planning revival 15 years ago. <laughs> I, I was planning, you know, I thought it would be a good opportunity for the Lord to pour his spirit out in such overwhelming abundance. You know, we got, we got, the, we got the Brownsville revival going on. It's like, hey, let's, let's, get, let's get on this thing. Let's just see what God's going to do. Amen? Amen? And there's many a person came into the kingdom of God, and we thank God for that. But let me tell you, God's got something on reserve. He's got something on reserve. Now, I, in my wildest imagination, I never would have imagined uh, that there would be a pandemic that swept the entirety of the world. In fact, so much, uh, I disbelieve uh, that I took a group of individuals over to Africa. Right in the midst of a pandemic. 
Right at the outbreak of the pandemic, we cut our trip short. We tried to sneak in the back way. We got in. We were in the airport in Togo. We were supposed to fly into Togo in Africa. We were supposed to fly into Paris. And we're there. We got our tickets, man. We're sitting in line. We're waiting to get on the plane. We're going back. We're going back home. We're sneaking on the plane. And all of a sudden, they called my name out. And I thought, oh, no, this is not good. They called, called every person on our team out and said, no, 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 you can't go. <laughs> what are we going to do? I don't care what you do, but you ain't getting on this plane. <laughs> Long story short, we actually made it home. It took us a detour and lots of extra money, but we finally got home. <laughs> See, no one could have anticipated this day except for the Lord. And I am inclined to believe this because I can't, I'm not convinced that this pandemic is of God. We can, we can agree or disagree on a lot of political platforms and a lot, of, a lot of things out there, but you cannot convince me that a plague in the entirety of the world that has killed so many people is of God. I can't go there with you, okay? I'm not even going to broach the subject or argue the, the, the pros and the cons. I'm just telling you it's not of God. So that tells me it's there's another source. And that other source uh, is from the dark side, uh, and it is swept through the world. Uh, so if the enemy can touch the entirety of the world with death, uh, don't you know that God Almighty can touch the entirety of the world with life? Don't you know that the sacrifices that were made and the lives that were lost should be the fuel to say to you and I, no more, no more. We're not taking it anymore. We're going to stand up and be who God has called us to be. We're going to march to the beat that God is drumming. We're going to do it his way. And Lord, if I am still here, I'm still going to preach Christ crucified, him buried and raised again and seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm still going to preach that my children and my children's children will prophesy and my sons and daughters are going to prophesy and our old men and women are going to dream dreams. My heart breaks for the loss that is represented in this room right now. But if you are still here, God's got a reason. I preached Wednesday night, and I would encourage you, not because I preached it, it's because God said something in the room. He said, I'm awakening a generation. I'm awakening a generation. God is awakening a generation that's going to astound the established church. I know it with all of my heart. My heart is is overwhelming with with a sense of god we've got we're living in desperate times and if the enemy can sweep across the entirety of the world with death then i believe that god our father can sweep across this world with his glory and his grace 
all the all the angels were declaring there in Isaiah I got to go there again in Isaiah 6 as Isaiah looks up in the year that King Uzziah died and he saw the throne room and God where was he he was sitting on the throne and as they're sitting on the throne the angels that were swirling around they were declaring over in fact so loud it was shaking the pillars and they were declaring holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord now kind of stumped me as the Lord was showing me this in prayer I've been meditating on that passage Lord when they saw the glory were they prophesying of a different day or were they just declaring what they saw I believe they were declaring what they saw but she would say well what's the glory of the Lord oh thank you for asking the question because John tells us in the first chapter the word became flesh and dwelt among us the glory of the Father so what the angels were declaring if Jesus is the glory then he saw Jesus in the entirety of the world can we go there can we say that whoa which tells me that Jesus has a promise that has a purpose seeing old barren <laughs> enlarge the place of come on Israel enlarge the place of your dwelling because it cannot let me tell you there's a enlarge the place of your dwelling because there is a swelling that will not be contained in one nation in fact it will be for all nations it'll be a canopy it'll be a panoply of the glory and the grace that covers the entirety of the world One last thought. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says that the Lord will raise a standard against. There's a banner, there's a standard. The enemy can flood into your life, into my life individually, corporately, and we can stop him by the banner, the standard. We've got the answer. His name is Jesus. Let me tell you what the devil doesn't have. When the church floods in, he's got no recourse. He don't have anything that can stop. He can't stop the Spirit of the Lord. He can't stop the Word of God being preached. I've seen videos of closed nations. And in those closed nations, there was, a, there was a seed of the written word of God that was planted in those nations. And then 40 years after the fact, they walked in, not knowing what they were going to expect when they got there. But the missionaries walked in. I can show you the video sometime. And when they got there, there is a host of people in the stadium all around as far as the eye could see. And they were worshiping the one and only true God because God could not be stopped by their communism, could not be stopped by their, by their gates being closed. Couldn't be, couldn't, the devil had nothing to prevent the Spirit of God from moving.
some of you, I'm sorry about this microphone. I know you're probably driving your nuts. If I don't get it just right, it just. Thank you. He just called me a loud mouth. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding you. But see, what happens, let me get my thought here. happens if you're wondering what I'm doing I'm listening to the conversation out front some oh there we are thank you Lord I just woke up some of you are at a place right now And you're just like wondering, why isn't things happening for me? I will tell you, it's because I've been praying for you. I've been praying that you would get to the end of yourself. If you're wondering what I'm doing, I'm guarding myself against your... your, I'm guarding myself against your mean mugs, your stink eyes, and your flaming arrows. Because I don't want you to be able to produce this thing. I I don't want you to get to the place where you get the credit. I want you to get so far to the end of yourself uh, that you would just feel like a, a, a rock and you're just saying, God, I can't do anything. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. God, I need you so much that I will take this thing called a promise and I'm going to bring it before you. And Lord God, if you'll just give it to me, I'm going to give it back to you and it'll be according to your purpose. And Lord God, I'll protect that purpose and I'll make sure that, Lord God, it's sober. I'll make sure that it's separated. I'll make sure that it's surrendered to your purpose and your will. And Lord God, I won't say things that don't move me. Lord God, I want you to move me so much that it changes everything, that it changes the way we walk, it changes the way we talk, it changes the way we behave. Because what we understand is our righteousness is not sourced from us. It's sourced from the Lord. The church is the deliverer of the good news. But we don't know how good the good news is. And we begin to understand how bad the bad news is. Oh, it makes the good news that much better. That you can't work hard enough. You can't strive hard enough. All you got to do is... Get you a new fancy pair of tennis shoes and just keep walking. You wear those out, go back to Cole Hahn, get you some more, and just keep walking. And if you walk long enough and you just keep going in the direction God tells you to, eventually you're going to get to the place and all of a sudden you're going to step over. 
me tell you how I got out of depression one step at a time. Let me tell you how I got out of addiction just one step at a time. How did I get out of grief? I just took one step at a time. When I wanted to sit down, the Holy Spirit said, no, get up. Got to keep going, son. You got generations. You got generations. They're following you. It's not time to quit now. They're following you. I, I brought you into the world today. Oh, I'm just now getting to preaching. Can y'all give me a little bit of time? Can y'all give me just a little bit of, just a moment or two? I just, I, I'm starting to feel this thing now. Now, see, because when you get up and, and you finally discover this calling is not about you, it's about those that are following you. It's about your children and your grandchildren. It's about the, when I was, when I wasn't even saved, I had a dream. And that dream was that, my God, that you would take me out of the wreck and the ruin of what we call home and create a home for me. Give me a wife, Lord God, and a mother to my children. Give me children and children's children. And I saw all the way to a day where my kids and my grandkids would be serving the Lord. And everybody got along good. And they loved Jesus. And they wanted to follow Jesus. And they were going after Jesus. And so there's times where I wanted to quit. But God got me up. And he kept me moving in that direction. I want you to do two things today. I want you to surrender and go buy you some new tennis shoes. Because you know what? I don't regret. The walk with God. <laughs> you know, when that promise came forth, Hannah, Hannah weaned Samuel, which means somewhere between the ages of three and five. She took him to Eli's house and dropped him off. If you read the rest of the story, you'll discover that Eli was not doing right. And his sons were not right. In fact, the Bible says one of the saddest scriptures in the word, they did not know God. They were ministering for God, but they did not know God. People would come in and they would bring their sacrifice. And the Lord was pointing to another day. He was pointing ahead in time. He was showing them there's, there's a day coming. There's a day coming where all these sacrifices are going to make sense. They're pointing to the ultimate sacrifice. And so I need you to follow the regulations that I put there because it, it has impact and meaning. But they were going in and they were bullying the worshipers. And they were taking what they wanted. And then they were sleeping with the women at the house of the Lord. Wow. They didn't know God. And now she's got to take her promise 
because she made a vow to the Lord, I'm bringing my promise and I'm ensuring the purpose and now I'm taking this promise with purpose and I'm going to surrender this precious one to this corrupt system but the fact is she was not committing her promise to a corrupt system oh no she was committing her promise to the purpose of God and the purpose of God is he was changing atmosphere and he was doing it by raising up a generation and a prophet who would go and walk before the Lord that he would grow in stature as the Bible says and in favor of both God and man just like Jesus so he would begin a ministry such that when he walked into a village they were like Whoa. what are you doing there Samuel Samuel he knows stuff See, the fear of the Lord came on the nation. When that man walked in the room, there was fear, reverence, awe as he walked with the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I know I could go on and on and on. But let me say to you, if you're barren today, you're in a good place. In fact, if you're barren today, it's just God answering prayer because he wants to bring forth something out of you that's supernatural. That's got purpose. There's somebody in this house, you're going to pray the prayer as the worship team is making their way up. This is how preachers kind of lure you in, lure you into knowing, thinking that we're about to close. Yeah, we are. We are. But right now, you're at a place of barrenness. There's something that you're striving for that you hadn't understood has purpose. That promise has purpose. As you stand across this room today, this message has been for you. And you're saying, God, I understand now. I understand now that Lord what you have put in my heart is what you're wanting to bring out of me yeah. Yeah. and Lord I want to surrender this to you whatever it is whatever it is maybe a child maybe a ministry maybe a calling God has upon you whatever it may be I want you right now to come to this altar lift your hands before the Lord and say God I surrender it to you I surrender it to you. Just lift your hands, please. If you're able, let's remain standing. I want to pray with you today. I want to pray with you today. I want to lift you before the Lord, and I just want to pray, God, to release within you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I need some of my guys to make sure you follow behind me. I want Andrew to help me. Somebody follow behind her. Angel, I'm going to pray for you first, and I want you to fall in and help me. 